Welcome to The Alchemist Lighthouse, Season 1, Episode 1, pilot episode that feels so cool and so crazy to say. My name is Kayla, and I am your hostess. And I am Nick. I will be your host. And we are siblings. Yes, brother and sister. And our goal with this podcast is to help make spirituality accessible to everybody. Yeah, we've really noticed that modern spirituality is generally marketed and geared towards one specific group of people being 20 to 40-year-old white women. And not that there's anything wrong with 20 to 40-year-old white women practicing spirituality, me belonging to that group of people myself, but we think it's really important for all other groups of people to feel welcome in the spiritual community as well. So that's what we're here for, to make spirituality accessible to everyone, no matter your race, gender, sexual orientation, age, anything, we are here for you and spirituality is for you. And we're going to try and bring on as many different guests as we can because, you know, as two white people, we do recognize that we don't always have the cultural or educational background necessary to reach certain groups of people. So we're going to try and supplement that with as many different types of guests and interviewees and teachers as we can. Yeah, we're going to have a diverse cast of characters on the show, and we're actually kicking that off with this episode, because later we will be doing an interview with our dear friend Silva, who is Armenian, and she has a lot of things to educate us on, so we're really excited about that. And with this podcast, we really hope to create a community of like-minded people who can be there to support each other through our spiritual journeys. And I, from personal experience, know just how daunting that journey can be, especially now with all of the different elements to spirituality. Like, there's so much. It can be very overwhelming. And so we want to kind of give you all of the tools that you need and then from there you can pick and choose what works for you and then just gently cast aside what doesn't. So now just to give a bit of context, Nick, would you like to explain the name? Oh, the name. Okay, that's that's great. The Alchemist Lighthouse. Where this name comes from is I do my own light language. I have a light language channel on YouTube and I call it Quantum Alchemy because light language is and I would consider it the language of the soul, right? And it's a way to clear energetic and subconscious blocks within the body, mind, and soul. So that is where the alchemist's name comes from. Kayla, where does the rest of the name come from? Yeah, so the name is basically a mashup of the two of us. Nick is 
the alchemist and I am the lighthouse. And the reason I am the lighthouse is because I have a tarot page on Instagram called Lighthouse Visions Tarot. And I came up with the name Lighthouse Visions a few months ago when I was getting a cord cutting done for me. It was a long distance cord cutting and I was just sitting there uh, meditating while this woman performed a cord cutting on me. And it was the most powerful meditation I think that I have had still to this date. And I remember I very clearly had a vision of a lighthouse. I was like flying over a lighthouse and I was with one of my spirit guides and I kept hearing this voice in my head saying, like, you are the lighthouse. Guide them home. Guide them through the dark. From there, I decided to call my tarot business Lighthouse Visions because I literally had a vision of a lighthouse, but that's what lighthouses do. They guide you through the dark. They guide you home, and I feel like that's what tarot readers do. That's what all healers do, really, is they help guide you back to yourself. So you have Nick is the alchemist, I'm the lighthouse, the alchemist lighthouse. That's very interesting. I've actually never yeah. heard that story. Oh, did I know? Have I never told you that? No, no, but that's a, that's very interesting. It actually it reminds me of a vision that I had when we did an ayahuasca, that ayahuasca ceremony in Peru, which I'm sure we will talk about later in this episode or at some point. I mean, it actually kind of segues pretty nicely into the, our next talking point, which would be kind of our self-introductions and our own spiritual paths. Do you want to take the lead on that? Okay, and actually, Peru is also where we met Silva, too. Yeah, who Peru is our is guest a, later. Yeah, Peru is a very, at least for me, Peru was a huge stepping stone in my uh, spirituality, and I'm sure it was for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So in late 2017, right? December ish? November, uh, December? Yeah, we left in like November. Mm hmm. Yeah, so in November, December of 2017, Kayla and I decided to take off and start traveling which was a catalyst for a lot of major things, I think, for both of us. Our first destination was to Peru, and we went to Machu Picchu, we went to Lake Titicaca, we spent about a month in Cusco, and we did some climbing too, which was a lot of fun. Anyways, while we were in Peru, we did an ayahuasca ceremony which was a what, I would say I, yeah I would say ayahuasca retreat as it was actually three ceremonies yes so it, I think it was five days yeah so uh, we did three ceremonies over that series of five days and I think that 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 particular part was a big catalyst for both of us in our journeys Kayla is there anything that you would like to add or speak on about I'm just assuming that not everyone knows what ayahuasca is, so maybe we could just give a brief explanation of that. It's a medicine. The active ingredient is DMT. Yes, okay, so it's used in ceremonies and rituals. I actually don't know the, it's, the it's whole really history hard. on it. For me, like people, people ask me, it's been three years now since that that happened. I haven't done it since, but people always ask me, oh, tell me about your ayahuasca trip. And it's very difficult for me to kind of explain it and put it into words because it's kind of just something you really have to experience for yourself. But I guess you would say it is a psychedelic or a psychoactive, but it's, it's on a completely different level than acid or mushrooms or anything like that. You're visiting other worlds, other dimensions. It's like you're not here, but it's used for healing. That's the 
purpose of it is to help heal you. Basically, when you go into an ayahuasca ceremony, you set intentions for what you want to ask or what you want to learn. And then throughout that five or six hours, Mother Ayahuasca kind of takes you on a journey to to help that. And take you on a journey she does indeed. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Peru. So before that, I have been kind of on a semi-spiritual journey since about 2007, 2008. Kind of got introduced through Reiki and astrology. The person that I was dating for a while, her mother was a Reiki master and also really into astrology. And that has always been an interest of mine. And so I started college in 2009. And the college that I went to had a really unique program in integrative medicine and had some great classes on actually took a class on Reiki there. I took some classes on botanical pharmacology and herbal medicine. And um, that was really where I kind of uh, started dipping my toes in the water with anything involving spirituality or esoteric topics. I studied a lot, uh, a little bit of very basic quantum physics. Don't ever ask me a physics question though. (laughs) But I studied basic quantum physics during that program, which helped the logical part of my mind get on board with the rest of my soul and spirit when it comes to spirituality because I tend to need proof for things. I need charts. I need graphs. I need things like that. And so by studying the more logical end of it, it helped get me on board with where I think my soul was trying to drag me. And so then in 2014, I started school for acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine, which I did for two and a half years. And during that process, I actually discovered I was transgender because when you are in an acupuncture program, you have to practice on each other, which basically means you have to be almost naked in front of all of your classmates all the time. And doing that on a daily made me really uncomfortable and made me realize that the reason I was so uncomfortable was because I was transgender. So I didn't know uh, that was how you discovered that. This is the first time I'm hearing this as well. I didn't know that's how like you realized it. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of realized it, I guess earlier but I was happy suppressing it like it wasn't an issue for me I could have suppressed it but when I had to be almost naked in front of people every day and they were like working on all areas of my body it made me realize I did not resonate with my body at all in any way shape Mm. or form and uh, so I uh, started taking hormones and started transitioning so I was a born female I identify now as male And so I kind of made myself stick through the entire learning portion of that program, like two and a half years, because I was in school with a lot of doctors, people that were going into the medical field. And I thought it was important both for me and to have the exposure to a transgender patient. So I stuck with that until it got time to do the clinicals. And then I realized I hate working in a clinic. And so I dropped out after two and a half years. And then that's when Kayla and I started traveling and did the whole Peru thing. And then that kind of brings us to now. What about after? Anything since then? Well, I've been studying a lot of astrology. Since we got back from Peru, my my main focus has been on astrology. Because for me, astrology is the way that everything makes sense. It makes psychology make sense. I like medical astrology and learning about the human body. That's, That's obviously a big interest of mine, too, because I've studied medicine and 
anatomy and health for so many years in school. And so I'm at a point now where I'm kind of tying all of those varied interests together. And astrology is kind of the tying together point for me. It's the glue that holds everything together. And right now I'm actually taking classes with Rasa International School of Astrology and Portland School of Astrology a big plug for them. I love them. It's an excellent school. Look into it if you're ever in the Portland area and you're interested in astrology. Well, and you're doing it online right now, so you don't even need to be in Portland, right? I am doing it online, but they have changed the program this year because of COVID. So I don't know that it's necessarily all always remote. This particular year is going to be, but I don't know. They do have distant learning cohorts, but usually those require like one or two trips to Portland. This year's just totally different. So I think that kind of brings me up to present day. Kayla, can you tell me a little bit about your whole spiritual journey? Yeah, so my spiritual journey pretty much started in Peru. I mean, growing up, I was always super into witchcraft and magic. I loved Harry Potter, which is kind of problematic right now, but I always, you know, wanted to be a witch, and I always thought that stuff was cool, and I had some Wiccan and witchcraft books in college, but I never really got into it because I was focusing on finishing college. I was going to school for uh, touring and producing, like, live concerts and stuff like that, and I was in and out of shitty relationships, so I never really got to focus on that, and then Nick ended up visiting me that summer after I graduated college to go to some Dead and Company shows together, which was a lot of fun. So at that time, I was in the middle of a really terrible relationship. But you know, sometimes that's kind of what you need in order to, at least for me, like if I wasn't in that relationship, I probably would have never felt the need to leave the States. So um, Nick came to me and he said, hey, I have this online job. I am gonna go to Peru in November. Would you like to come with me? And I like needed to get out and I was like, yes, <laughs> I would like to come with you. So we went to Peru in November 2017, and in December we did the ayahuasca retreat. And it's funny because most people who have an ayahuasca experience have been on their spiritual path for quite a while and have been preparing for ayahuasca for a long time. Whereas for me, I hadn't even really started my spiritual journey. I only knew what ayahuasca was because. Nick wanted to do this retreat and I looked into it and I was like, oh yeah, I've done acid and mushrooms before, like I'll be able to handle it, it'll be fine. So we did this ayahuasca retreat and I remember the first ceremony we had was probably the most terrifying experience of my life because I was just purging, both literally and physically, because if you didn't know, when you are on ayahuasca you do vomit a lot. But that's beside the point. I was purging all of this dark shit that I had kind of suppressed and hadn't really dealt with. Um, So that was coming up and I was kind of having to face this shadow. So I remember once we came out of it and the next day you have to talk to a psychiatrist and a doctor. And I remember thinking like, I don't want to do this again. There were two more ceremonies. I did not want to do it again. But I was like, we came all this way and paid a bit of money for 
this. Like, I have to. And then, so the second and third nights were much better. I found a lot of enlightenment and answers and kind of purpose in those last two nights. So it was for sure worth it. Even the first night, it was worth it because I did need to face those shadow things that I had been suppressing. So my whole point here is where most people kind of dip their toes into spirituality, I kind of just like dove right off the cliff and just jumped right into an ayahuasca ceremony. So that was kind of the jumping off point for me. And then we were in Peru for another month or so. And we met Silva, who is coming on the show later. And she was a really big catalyst for me because she's very spiritual. She's like a magic woman. And she had a lot of experiences and stories that really kind of struck a chord in me and kind of made me think about my own purpose and my own spirituality and stuff. So then Nick and I left Peru. We went to the Galapagos for a month and then we traveled around Europe for a bit together. And then when we were in Croatia, Nick ended up going back home and I didn't really have anything to go back to. So I figured I would just continue on my own. So I traveled around Europe by myself for about a year. And during that time, my spirituality kind of took a break because I was, you know, a single female in this big party continent. So I was kind of doing a lot of that. And then I decided to go to New Zealand where I am now and where I have been since March 2019. Most of the time living at a yoga retreat slash, I would really call it like a spiritual hippie community. And this is really where my spirituality has grown and and taken off because I have met so many amazing people who have kind of probably unknowingly like mentored me. And I'm sure some of them will be on the show at some point. I was gifted my first tarot deck from one of my friends and that really led me to get into tarot. I did a camper van trip around the South Island with my best friend and that was really eye-opening. And then in April, we went into quarantine or lockdown and here in New Zealand was, you've probably seen in the news, was much stricter about that than a lot of the rest of the world, especially the states. So here, everything was shut down except for grocery stores and hospitals and like very essential services. So you really couldn't go out and if you did, like you would get in trouble unless you had a valid reason to be out. So people took it a lot more seriously here and I actually really loved lockdown because it gave me a chance to kind of go just within myself. I did a lot of online classes and meditating and just kind of really getting in touch with my spirituality. I took a tarot class with Lindsay Mack. It's called Tarot for the Wild Soul. I did Lacey Phillips to be magnetic workshop, which is like a manifestation workshop. I joined the Magical Circle School, which is basically like a free online virtual Hogwarts. It's awesome. I was doing, I still am actually doing classes with Pleiadian Institute online for crystal therapy and spiritual intuitive therapy. Right now, I'm also in psychic boot camp with Brie Melanson. So I've done a lot of learning since New Zealand went into lockdown and big shout out to all of those people and programs that I mentioned because they're all excellent and I highly recommend them all. And then I created the Lighthouse Visions tarot page on Instagram, which has been really helpful in improving my tarot reading skills. And I've been regularly performing new moon and full moon rituals here at the community that I'm living 
Canyon. And next year, if all goes according to plan, I will be attending Well Park College here in New Zealand, which is a college for naturopathy and herbal medicine. I've been accepted and I'm kind of just waiting for a sign from the universe to make sure that that's really what I should be doing because Bali has also really been calling my name for a while and uh, I know that there's a lot of transformation to be had in Bali but I also know that travel isn't really not that it's not possible right now but it's it's quite difficult so who knows but Bali will always be there I trust in the universe and I trust in divine timing so yeah that pretty much brings me up to present day so Nick and I we're both at different points in our spiritual journeys, right? Nick has been on his path for quite a while and I am a lot newer to it. I mean, it started three years ago, but it really didn't kick off until the last, I would say, eight months or so. So if you are more seasoned to the world of spirituality, you know a lot about it, about the different elements and you kind of know your shit, then Nick is your guy. And if you're newer to it, you're more curious curious about everything and just kind of learning what works for you, then I'm here for you because I'm kind of at the same point, even though I've done a lot of classes, I'm still very new to all of this. And that's why I'm really excited about this podcast because I know that I'm going to learn a lot from it. And I hope that you guys do as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, spirituality, I want to point this out, is not always all rainbows and astrology readings and tarot cards. There's also a little bit of a darker aspect to spirituality, and that's when you start getting into shadow work. If you really start, you know, getting in tune with yourself, you know, you're, you're going to be introduced to, to some shadow work. And I've spent a lot of time in the trenches, in, in, those, yeah. in those dark corners. I would say that about three-fourths of my spiritual journey has been spent doing a lot of really intense shadow and experiencing more of the darker side of spirituality, which is not a bad thing. I mean, everything, light and dark, is only a spectrum, right? So dark doesn't always mean evil. It just doesn't mean rainbows and flu-flu and glitter. And so I think between the two of us, we have some really good perspectives because I'll get, get into astrology for a second. I have a very scorpionic birth chart, which puts me deep into kind of the, the darker side in terms of having to really dive deep. And Kayla has more of like a Sagittarian birth chart. And, Do I? Um, yeah, you definitely don't have very much Scorpio in your birth chart. Because you've, you've got Jupiter in Sagittarius in its home house, which is like an amazing placement. And you have some, I'm not going to go into your whole birth chart here, but you've got more like the Sagittarian type of vibe and type of spirituality. And I'm a little bit more on the Scorpionic side, which I've basically had to dive deep into every trauma I've ever had in this life and past lives. And so between the two of us, we have like a, a very broad perspective, I think. And I think it's very important to acknowledge that spirituality is not just rainbows. Um, it, it can get dark when you start diving into your traumas and your past experiences. And, you know, it's part of the goal of this is to provide a safe space for you to be able to acknowledge those parts of yourself because they're all valid. And, you know, I think one of the really important things about spirituality that does get glossed over, especially in today's like 
love and light spirituality. Yeah, love and light. Yeah, which is is good. Love and light is a good thing, but we can't just ignore all of the dark parts of ourselves and pretend they don't exist because that's part of the beautiful part of being human is to acknowledge all of it. And if you really want to get into spirituality, it's really important to not repress and suppress the parts of you to yourself that you consider to be dark, which probably aren't actually that bad at all. They're it's all just part of being human. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I did a, a bit of shadow work this summer as well. And it's definitely necessary to do that, to kind of go through those moments, because that's when you kind of come out stronger. If you're always suppressing your shadow side or, or not acknowledging it or pretending it doesn't exist, you're not going to grow or you're not gonna, going to um, manifest as well. It's, it's, it's kind of um, about manifesting as well. You're not going to kind of manifest the life or the person that you want to be if you just ignore that that exists. Right, right. Because every experience that you've ever had is like a tape constantly playing in the background of your subconscious mind, right? And mm. so in order to get that tape to stop playing, you have to go through and acknowledge it, acknowledge the experience. And um, hopefully maybe on some later shows, we can give you some tools to help work with some things like that. Probably when it, the moon is in Scorpio or something. <laughs> It's almost Scorpio season, actually. That's true. That's true. It's almost my season. So maybe uh, maybe next new moon, we'll be talking about that kind of shadow work and stuff. Yes, we definitely will be. Awesome. So as of now, how this podcast is going to be formatted, like I said earlier, it'll be every other week on the new moon and the full moon. And um, once we grow a bit, once we kind of uh, get used to it, it'll probably be every week. But as of now, for on the new moon and the full moon, the first half, Nick will be discussing the astrology that's going on right now and everything that's that's relevant to the, the ritual that we will be performing. And then we'll be explaining the gods and goddesses involved in the ritual related tarot cards and like any other topics that are relevant and then the second half will be a ritual for the new moon or the full moon and we'll provide you with materials that you can use to participate although you absolutely don't need to have any of them biggest thing that you need really is yourself and just intention and, and an open mind and so the rituals will include casting a circle calling in any gods goddesses or deities and the directions north south east and west nick will perform a light language some weeks and then the purpose so depending on the moon if it's a new moon then we'll be manifesting and if it's a full moon we will be letting go and then maybe a spell a tarot pull a circle opening kind of just depends on the week there and then once we move it to every week, the, the week in between the rituals will be kind of like a, an interview. We'll bring someone on or maybe a couple of people and just kind of talk about different topics and probably ask for input from you guys if there's anything that you want us to talk about or if you know of anyone that we should get on our show. We would definitely love that input from you guys as well. And let me tell you, listeners, we have some amazing guests in mind. We do. Between the two of us, we know some pretty interesting people, both unknown, just like people we're friends with and more kind of bigger people in the spiritual world, I would say. Yes. 
Cool. So yeah, we're really excited for this podcast. We cannot wait to see what it has in store for us and for you. For me specifically, I'm really excited to learn a lot from this because like I said, I'm kind of newer on this path. And so I think I'll be learning a lot doing this and I hope that you guys will as well. So now, Nick, would you like to uh, talk about kind of the astrology that's going on right now, everything that people should, should be aware of? Yes. Okay. So this particular ritual that we're doing is for the Libra new moon, which is going to be on October, depending on where you are in the world, between late on October 15th and early on October 17th. So for me in Colorado, it's going to be on October 16th. This is going to be the new moon in Libra. And this is actually set up to be probably one of the most intense new moons of the year because it is forming a T-square, which I'll explain a little bit, with some of the major planets that we have in Capricorn, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto, and Mars in Aries. So whenever you have a T-square, you get a lot of tension, a lot of tension. We have had Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto in Capricorn all year they've been dancing around together and that's kind of what's been creating a lot of this tension and trauma with power structures that we have going on in the world right now saturn is actually retrograded it went into aquarius i believe it was in june and then it retrograded back into capricorn and it's just gone direct so we have jupiter saturn and pluto direct in Capricorn right now. And Capricorn deals with governmental structures, which Libra is going to have to deal with justice. Okay, so I'll get back to Capricorn for a second. This is going to be like a big restructuring of power structures is ultimately what this slow Capricorn transit is bringing about. And where this Libra new moon comes in is it's hitting all three of those planets in a square which is causing a bunch of tension. And it's also going to be hitting Mars in Aries. Aries is the god of war, okay? And so Mars has actually been squaring those Capricorn planets too, which is stirring up a lot in all of the uh, governmental systems across the world. You can see this where I am in the United States. We're getting ready for the election, and we've been going through like all sorts of political chaos all year of various mm. forms. You can see this with what Silva is going to talk about later, everything that's going on with Armenia. I'm sure Mars being in Aries is having a lot to do with this war that's breaking out in that area. And so this new moon in Libra, the primary focus of it is to bring about justice. Now, this is not always like a rapid process and it doesn't always look pretty on the surface this is where i can go back to what i was talking about shadow work earlier um, we are doing a massive amount of shadow work on a collective level and this is playing out in government and power political structures this new moon in libra wants to bring balance and justice to all of this tension and chaos that we've got going on right now. But like I said, it's not going to look pretty always on the beginning. And we have Mercury that is just gone retrograde today in Scorpio, which is going to... Mercury has to do with the mind and also uh, electronics too. So if your electronics go haywire, that's why. 
but where Mercury is going retrograde in Scorpio. And that is like the epitome of shadow work. Uh, that's really causing everybody to do a lot of deep, deep, deep internal diving, right? Okay, so ultimately with this new moon in Libra, the point of all of this deep diving and shadow work, though it doesn't feel good always and it doesn't look pretty, is to bring healing and balance and justice. But with Libra, one of the shadow aspects of Libra is Libra likes justice and fairness, but it can kind of get lost in placating other people, trying to be too fair and get lost in indecision. So that's really where on a personal level, kind of want to make sure that you're being fair to yourself above all else, right? Because everybody else can take care of themselves. So you want to be sure that you aren't going overboard to placate other people, that you're taking care of your own needs, being fair to your own self, paying attention to you, especially with this Mercury retrograde causing all this shadow work to come up. Yeah, so, so that's the big, the big things that we've got going on in the sky for the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you. I'm sure everyone is going to appreciate all of that. I'm really excited to learn more about astrology and stuff, talking to you every couple of weeks and learning what's going on because it's kind of difficult to figure it out on my own. But it's really handy having Nick as my brother because whenever something's going on in my life, I'm like, okay, Nick, this is going on. What what are the planets saying about it? It's a really handy tool to have. <laughs> It's, it's a very handy tool. It's a very big esoteric topic. You could study astrology every single day, entire life, and still there would be more and more and more to learn. And that's yeah. probably why I love it the most. So Libra has to do with justice, and that is the justice card in tarot. Yeah, so justice is kind of our, our topic for the ritual this week. So I'll talk about the justice card. So the justice card is the 11th card in the major arcana. And in the Smith Rider Weight deck, which is kind of the deck that most other decks are kind of based around, justice is, it kind of shows like the human embodiment of justice. And it's usually a woman. And she sits in front of a purple veil, which kind of symbolizes compassion. And she sits in between two pillars and they represent balance and law and structure. And she holds an upright sword showing a, a firm and a final decision. And it's in her right hand as the right side of your brain is kind of the logical and more like well-ordered mindset, which is necessary um, in order to deal fair justice. And the double-edged blade of the sword reminds us that our actions always carry consequences and then she holds scales in her left hand like the scales of libra or the scales of justice because the left brain is our more creative and intuitive side showing that we must balance logic with intuition and they're a symbol of her own impartiality this card is often depicted with like a white shoe or a bare foot peeking out from her robes as a reminder that there are spiritual consequences to your actions. So traditionally, it's pretty straight to the point. If it shows up in a reading, most people will interpret it as justice is about to be served. So if you've lived in alignment with your higher self and for the greater good of others, then you have nothing to worry about. And if you haven't, then, you know, that's another story 
it's really kind of a card of karma. So whenever this card comes out in a, a reading, I always hear that Justin Timberlake song, you know, what goes around, goes around, goes around. That always pops up to me. That's justice for me. But there are other interpretations as well from my tarot classes that I was taking over the summer. I'll credit her. My incredible teacher, Lindsay Mack, taught me that justice is also kind of an invitation to acknowledge what is rather than what we wish things were, what we wish could be. So in order to be agents for radical change, we really have to start with right here and right now, like the present moment, not, oh, this shouldn't be happening. I'm horrified. This is what's happening. And I wish it wasn't. It's more about this is what is now. This is what's happening. Here's the truth. Here are the facts. Now, what can I do about it? How can I have a conversation about it? How am I myself being complicit in these harmful actions and and how can I fix that? So justice is ruled by Libra, which kind of connects to how things affect everyone, not just themselves. And Libra really wants to find balance and beauty in the imbalance. They want to keep things good and peaceful. So in order to do that, we have to start with what is right here in order to get to where we'd like to be. And yeah, Justice says what goes around comes around and it may not necessarily be in this lifetime. Like sometimes things may have happened generations ago that were never brought justice upon and eventually those things will come back up and there will be a reckoning and not predicting what's going to happen or anything, but you can kind of see that in what's happening in the U.S. right now with, I mean, look at how the country began with mass genocide and colonization, and it's kind of going through a lot, especially in the last year, and I feel like that is possibly that's kind of justice coming back around. So when justice comes up for you in a reading, ask how you can acknowledge what is here and now so that you can begin to change it. If the scales have tipped, how can you really balance them? That was very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Like Kayla was talking about with me, I also really appreciate a tarot reader in the family that I can call. So uh, we do a lot of exchanging back and forth. We do. I'll ask Nick what the planets or what the moon is saying to me right now. And then he'll be like, can you pull some cards for this? I need, I need to know what to do. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hard, it's hard reading for yourself, whether it's astrology or tarot or, or, or anything. So it's always nice to have uh, the doctor needs a doctor too. Yeah, I'm really bad at reading for myself and I don't really like reading for myself because I'll pull a card, I'll pull like the five of swords or ten of swords and I'll be like, fuck that stupid tarot, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I'll go to my friend, um, her name is Tori, shout out to Tori. I'll be like, hey, can you pull these cards for me? And she'll pull the same cards, but she'll, she'll tell me in a much more like compassionate way. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, I understand that. Before we bring on Silva um, and go into the ritual and stuff, we'll just talk about the, the goddesses that we're going to be working with in this week's ritual. So like we've mentioned, this week's theme is kind of, it's about justice and 
Silva will be coming on and, and talking more about that in Armenia. So we will be working with two goddesses this week, the Greek goddess of justice and the Egyptian goddess of justice. So the Greek goddess of justice is Themis. And I really think that the justice card is based on Themis. So Themis was one of the Greek titans. So those are like the pre-Olympians. So she's one of the 12 children of Uranus and Gaia, which were like the first god and goddess before Zeus even. So then she became the second wife of Zeus, and that helped him secure his power over all gods and humans. So she's kind of the human representation of natural and moral order. She had like three children, I guess you could say, or three things that she kind of looked over. So she was the goddess of natural order, which manifested through time. The goddess of moral order, which manifested through fairness, trial, and peace. And that was the ultimate characteristics of the society at the time and through the destiny of every human being. And then she was also the goddess of prophecy. And that led her to become one of the oracles of Delphi, which was a religious sanctuary for the god Apollo. And it gave predictions and guidance to both the city-states and individuals. And so there are two legends surrounding the oracles. One claiming that she built the oracles herself, and then the other claiming that she received it from Gaia and then later gave the oracles to Apollo after he was born because she cared so deeply for him. So then as the second wife of Zeus, she had Dicey, who ruled over human justice while Themis ruled over divine justice. So Dicey executed the law of judgment and sentencing and then together with Themis carried out the final decision of the fates. So that's just a brief history of Themis. And then we're also working with the Egyptian goddess of justice, and that's Mot. And she's the goddess of truth, balance, order, harmony, law, morality, and justice. So she is the daughter of the sun god Ra, which you've probably heard of. And she was depicted as a winged woman with an ostrich feather on her head. And they called this the feather of truth. And her primary role in ancient Egyptian religion Religion was in the weighing of the heart of the soul ceremony in the afterlife. So the ancient Egyptians believed that the heart is where the soul lived. And that's why they left hearts in the mummies and all the other organs were removed, but the hearts were left in there because that's where the soul was. And so in this weighing of the heart of the soul ceremony, the heart of the deceased would be weighed in the scales of justice against the feather of truth that was on Mott's head. And and so this determined whether or not the soul would reach the paradise or of the afterlife successfully, so like heaven. And so if the heart was lighter or equal to the weight of the feather, it means they had led a virtuous life and would go on to Aru, which was their heaven. And then heavier hearts were devoured by the goddess Amit and condemned to remain in Duat, which was like their hell or their underworld. So yeah, that's kind of the history of the goddesses there that we will be working with. It's it's really important when you're doing a ritual to not only like read over the ritual or anything like that, but it's important to know kind of the origins of the deities that you're working with so that you can like show them the most respect because it is powerful working with different gods and goddesses and you want to make sure that you know why you're doing that. Okay, so now I think Silva is ready for us. Shall we bring Silva on? 
I'm so yes. excited. Let's bring her on. I let's love bring Silva, Silva so much. Uh, I love Silva too. She's she's amazing. So let's stop talking about her and let's bring her on. Yes. Together again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is the first time that we've all been together since Peru, I guess. I think it is. Yeah. This was like oh. three years ago. Yeah, almost. Oh, I love that. A little Cusco group. Yeah. So earlier in the <laughs> podcast, I talked about going to Cusco and meeting you, Silva. Do yeah. we want to talk about like how we met real quick? Yeah. Well, it was we were meant to cross paths, weren't we? Um, I think we were. We, we all ended up at an expat pancake night run by a traveling Dutch guy who goes around the world bringing people together, offering them free Dutch pancakes. <laughs> yeah. And I think Nick and I, we weren't going to go. We didn't really want to go because we're both not very social people. And then we were like, nah, we need to go. We need to meet some people. And then we did. And I very nearly didn't go as well because I was trying to convince the only person I knew in Cusco at the time to come out with me. And um, she said, no, yes, no, yes, no. And in the end, we went for a little while and we nearly sat with some locals, but then we ended up, you had two seats next to you. So that's, that's where it started. <laughs> and then we spent lots of time together after that. We spent Christmas together. We did. And then almost and New Year's, we kind of got separated yeah we started off together we started together so before we get into like the substance of the interview silva i was just wondering if you wanted to just kind of give a background on like your spiritual journey or anything that you would like to share well it started on the 21st of december 2012 that famous date you can't even make it up it was the day the world was supposed to end said everyone it isn't the case, but you know, it was that, that fateful day and it has been a roller coaster ever since. <laughs> Do you have um, any like highlights? Yeah. I mean, I went to Peru. I went traveling there for just for a, a quick trip and it made a lasting impression. So I ended up taking a sabbatical from my job and I went to live in Peru for a year. It was cut short, but um, I was there for as long as I was meant to be. And, you know, I, it feels as though I reclaimed various fragments of myself that were there and, and came back. And yeah, it was a, a very important part of the journey, but it's, it wasn't everything, um, which I thought it was at the time. But, you know, that's what the whole purpose of evolution is. It gives you a new platform um, to view things from and then you can move forward um, in, in your soul's evolution. Mm. How, like when you haven't been working over this quarantine time or whatever what have you been doing i've been doing whatever i had never made enough time for before so i've been whether it's been doing some yoga or doing i don't know working on strengthening my body or doing some obviously some meditation and, and downtime but you know exploring new recipes i'm learning greek so there's all kinds of different things that are um, coming out of it. Doing tarot readings for people, friends, but it's not something I'd ever done for other yeah. people. Before. I'm quite happy not, not having the usual things. I, I do miss the things I used to do, but not that much. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your cultural background? Yes, so I am a mixture of Armenian and Greek by um, heritage. Um, however, um, the bit that's a little bit difficult for people to understand is that everyone, on even my grandparents' level, was born outside of Armenia um, or Greece. 
because of various displacements that we've had of people over our history with uh, mainly genocide. So um, my um, family has all, all kinds of other cultures kind of woven in and words in our language and things like that from all the places that they have passed by along the way such as Egypt and Ethiopia for example so it's it's an interesting journey as a child it was difficult for me to try and get people to understand that oh I'm not English <laughs> I know I sound English but I'm not and then no, nobody mm. understood and still people don't understand really but there we go <laughs> So, uh, Silva, you mentioned you have an Armenian background a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit what's going on with Armenia right now? So, at the moment, Armenia is in a war with Azerbaijan and Azerbaijan's ally Turkey over an area of land that is officially part of Azerbaijan as given to Azerbaijan by Stalin in the 1920s when they carved up that whole area of the world and made a mess. It's the ancestral homeland of ethnic Armenians, so it is well over 90% ethnic Armenian population and there have been wars over the years, a ceasefire since 1994, which has been kind of broken on and off along the, the years, but full scale broken since the 30th of September this year. And for us, it feels like an existential threat because on one side, it's a war for territory and on the other side, it's a war for existence and it's very much uh, flaring up the wound that a lot of us Armenians have from the genocide of, that started in 1915. Very similar situation where ethnic Armenians, including my ancestry, who were in their ancestral homeland, but it got carved up and given to Turkey in the 20th century. And although Turkey is a new state, it was the Ottoman Empire in those days and they um, ethnically cleansed us out of our homelands uh, that we've been in for probably millennia, but I'll say at least centuries, which is why I wasn't born there, neither were my grandparents. And there are significantly more Armenians around the rest of the world than there are in Armenia to this day. For that reason, the survivors are displaced all around the world and we are um, supporting our brothers and sisters as much as we can at the moment. Mm. So if there is anything that uh, people in other countries, people all over the world want to do to support Armenia in this, what are some things that they can do? I think taking the time to read about it, but also um, with an open mind, because there is an awful lot of inaccurate uh, sources that are um, in the mainstream media, because the mainstream media has affiliations with various superpowers that are exerting control. And it's probably not in most of the world's best interest to listen to the small number of people, their story compared to the majority. So to put it into perspective, present day Armenia has less than a 3 million population in the whole country. Whereas Azerbaijan and Turkey together as allies have around 100 million. So we're kind of outnumbered and I can see where the media's affiliations would be, but I would urge people to read around it. There's an awful lot of uh, cyber campaigns going on um, to dilute out the truth as well, which we're working really hard to try and um, stop the truth from being hidden. But I would say if you have any Armenian friends, ask them any questions. If there's anything you don't understand, there's a lot to not understand about all this because it's just popped up and nobody can even 
hear it because it's it's being muffled by the you know bigger picture um, on the world scale which it was the first time round in 1915 with the first world war so the timing was picked really nicely when the world was busy looking at other things and again now so i would say ask people do your research and don't be afraid to there's no such thing as a silly question and you know any armenian you might know would really appreciate you reaching out and there are charities you could donate to if you wanted to. I think more importantly, um, signing any petitions, change.org petitions or writing to your local parliamentary um, representatives would be really helpful as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I was just going to say it's so crazy that I, I don't know about you, Nick, but I in school was never educated about any of this genocide in Armenia. I don't even think I actually knew of Armenia until we met you. So it's just crazy that like some things get swept, like kind of swept under the rug to the rest of the world. Absolutely. And we're very easy to hide or not because, you know, we're all over the world now. They, they, they saw to that, that we had to leave our homeland, but as a consequence, we're all over the place. So <laughs> You know, there's there's lots of people who on the small local levels know an Armenian or know of an Armenian, even if they don't know where the country is. And I think that in itself is a potential for a huge amount of support. So our theme this week is all about justice, which is kind of why we wanted to uh, bring you on to kind of talk about this. And you said something earlier about um, making sure that you are learning the truth and you're educating yourself. And that's kind of really behind the scenes. That's kind of what justice is all about is knowing the truth and then seeking justice for it. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that astrologically, we're also being supported in the next few weeks to unravel hidden truths. There's an awful lot that has been brushed under the carpet that lies under the surface that, mm. you know, ignorance is bliss, but also ignorance is going to become a choice as the truth comes out now with Mercury going retrograde in Scorpio. So there's going to be a lot of truth bombs coming out, I think. Mm. It's, it's time. Yes, yes. We've got some crazy astrology coming up over the next couple of weeks. I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of hidden, hidden secrets coming to the surface. Mm. We are going through like karmic cycles or karmic patterns right now, eh? Yeah, there's a lot of um, big, huge karmic cycles coming to a, a completion once uh, Saturn and Jupiter exit Capricorn and enter Aquarius at the beginning of next year. There should be um, a major shift in political structures. Mm. Um, for one. And um, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, Saturn has been in Capricorn for two and a half years. And this has kind of been, well, it's been joined with Pluto, which has kind of been taking humanity through somewhat of a collective dark night of the soul. And we're kind of uh, in the pit of that right now. And you can see that manifested on all sorts of different levels with what's happening with like Armenia and with what's happening with COVID and natural disasters, political structures in all countries. What's, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, what was that, Kayla? I just said the election. The Yeah, the election. But there's Absolutely. many, there's, the election. there's an election here as well in New Zealand. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Silva, was there anything else uh, you wanted to mention or talk about before we jump into the ritual? I just wanted to mention that there's also a genocide happening in Ethiopia at the moment. 
and nobody knows about that. Um, I only know about it because my, I'm connected with people who also have passed through Ethiopia in their heritage like my family has. So, you know, as genocide wasn't nipped in the bud before, it has allowed other genocides to happen. Um, and I just wanted to give some light to that as well. It's not just about Armenians, it's about all genocide across the whole world and it's got to stop. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for bringing awareness to all of this. I know um, where I am here in America, it's really hard to find uh, information about all of this stuff. It all kind of gets swept under the rug. So uh, it's yeah. really important, I think, to have these discussions and bring awareness to topics like this so that we as a people can actually come together and make change in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like even here, like pretty much the only news that we get is like American news or British news. So we don't really hear about many of those non-white, non-English speaking countries. Mm. Thank you so much, Silva, for sharing. Do we want to go into the ritual? Yes. Cool. Before we start, this is going to be a new moon ritual in Libra. So the general purpose of a new moon ritual is to set your intentions and to manifest what you want to come up in the next couple of weeks. Let's real quick just go over the materials that you can use. None of these materials are required. The most important material is your intention and yourself, but all of these things will aid. And I think we will all have like different levels. I think I have all of the materials. Nick doesn't have any of the materials. I have I have Palo Santo and I have a couple of the stones. Oh, that's good. What do you have, Silva? I have Palo Santo, candles, stones, peacock feather, and some rose water. Yeah, so we have different levels here of the materials. So you can see that the ritual work no matter what you have. So we talked about earlier in the podcast the goddesses that we will be working with, which will be Themis, the Greek goddess of justice, and Mat, the Egyptian goddess of justice. So for this ritual, if you choose to use materials, you can use one white candle and one green candle or two white candles is fine. And if you would like to, you can carve an ankh in one candle and for the other candle, so that represents mat. And then for the other candle, I carved the Libra sign because that's like the symbol of the scales. So that would be Themis. So after the candles, any black stone like obsidian or black tourmaline, a feather to represent mat, a stone to represent themis, and you can use jade, citrine, or chrysocolla. As in most rituals, you want to have some sort of cleansing device like sage or palo santo or incense. I have incense and palo. There's sacred water, which would just be salt water. A leaf. Oh, I actually, there is one thing I don't have. I don't have a leaf, but I do have a green stone. So that works. And then rose oil. So those are all the materials that you'll need for this. Or again, nothing at all and just your intention. Although a cleansing device and candle would be helpful. So listeners, standing in the center of your circle or sitting in your circle, 
turn diocil, which is witchy language for clockwise, three times, drawing the boundaries of your circle with your sacred water. And as you do this, you want to visualize a white light of protection on the ground. And just take a few deep breaths. And visualize this light growing brighter and stronger with each term. As you turn, say, I cleanse this space with water and earth. All entities and negativity have been cast out. A white light of protection now surrounds. A third time around and the circle is bound. Now we will call in the corners because I am the furthest east and south. I will call in those directions. Nick will do west because he's the farthest west and Silva will do north. So we're making a circle that literally goes around the world. And wherever you're joining us from listeners, you can join as well. Light your cleansing tool, be it your sage, Palo Santo, or just regular incense and waft the smoke around you as you turn clockwise starting east. I call upon the spirits of the east, winds of spring, bringer of the rising sun. Guardians and beings of air, please bless the circle with intellect and imagination. Send forth the gentle breeze of inspiration to aid us. Hail and welcome. Now, turn south and hold up your black stone. I call upon the spirits of the south, winds of summer, home of the midday sun, guardians and beings of fire, please bless this circle with passion and strength. Send forth the fiery winds of change to aid us. Hail and welcome. Now turn west, swirling your taper. I call on the spirits of the west, winds of autumn, direction of the setting sun. Guardians and beings of water, please bless this circle with love and cleansing. Send forth the loving gusts of insight to aid us. Hail and welcome. I call upon the spirits of the north, winds of winter, where light is replaced with darkness. Guardians and beings of water, please ground and nurture this circle. Send forth the strong winds of support to aid us. Hail and welcome. Now we will be evoking the goddesses. So light both candles and place them in your circle or altar. So place the mott candle on the left and the Themis candle on the right. Okay. Now take the feather in one hand and the stone that you've chosen to represent Themis in the other. And hold the feather over the candle on the left, the mott candle, and the stone uh, over the candle on the right. 
and imagine the energies of each goddess just filling the objects and just take a moment to just kind of feel their presence now take the feather and just kind of waft it around your body and you want to make sure that you touch your crown your third eye your heart your hands and your feet with the feather okay this is a time of cleansing of growth and renewal mott i call upon you for the winds of justice so place the feather next to the candle and take the stone rubbing it over those areas as well the crown the third eye, the heart, the hands, and the feet. Themis, lady of law and custom of the divine, I call upon you for the winds of justice. Place the stone next to the candle, and now pick up your cleansing tool your incense or your sage or your palo and if you need to light it again and just think of the intent that you have for this ritual for the things that you wish to seek justice for that you wish justice is brought on think about this as you are smudging yourself Divine ladies of justice, please join us to aid our transformations. Lend us your guidance to bring balance. Hail and welcome. Okay, so now we will get into the spell. Mott and famous, I ask that you let my heart be purified and may the scales of justice bring balance into my life. Now bring both goddesses into your mind's eye. Think of or speak out the things you would like them to address. Make sure that you let them know how you honestly feel and give all the details as best you know them. We'll now take turns going around our circle and asking the goddesses for assistance. Matt and Themis, I ask for harmony and balance to be brought to this world, to the countries that are suffering from genocide currently, Armenia, Ethiopia. I ask for the hatred that um, is currently kind of sweeping the world. I ask for this hatred to dissipate for yeah, for justice to be brought to those who have done ill on large masses of people. Mott and Themis, I ask for peace, harmony, and justice on a global scale. Um, I ask that all people that are suffering 
um, and are uh, victims of ill will, be brought peace, be brought harmony. And I ask that all evil deeds cease and for an era of beauty and peace to be entered in. Thank you. I ask the goddesses Mart and Themis to help the divine truth to be brought to light for all to see um, and for all those suffering in silence to be brought to light, um, for justice and peace to be brought to those facing existential threats all over the world in the name of the highest good for all. Thank you. Mm, awesome. So listeners, if you would like to pause this for a moment so that you can um, speak your wishes and things that you would like Mott and Themis to address, please do so now. Now bow to them and say thank you, Themis and Mott, goddesses of justice. Pick up the rose oil or your sacred water if you don't have any and anoint your third eye area. Say, I anoint my mind and inner eye to greater truths. Anoint your heart. Say, I anoint my heart of all impurities. Anoint your feet. Say, I anoint my feet to walk the paths of growth. Anoint your hands. Say, I anoint my hands to work for peace and harmony. Take a few deep breaths and ground yourself. Thank you, Matt and Themis. Okay, so since this is the new moon, we will call in our intentions and manifestations for the coming month. So during the new moon, you want to typically write two lists. The first one is a list of everything you are purging and wish to release. And we do this in order to make room for all that will come in. So you want to make sure that you have no room for things that no longer serve you and hold you back. So again, if you want to pause this, take the time right now um, to do so and make your list of things that you would like to release. And you can begin with, I wish to release or I let go of. Let's go around and speak this out. So I let go of the lingering effects of the pattern of ancestral persecution that mm. lived through me, such as not being free to be seen or fearing the consequences of being seen, fear of exposure, unfairness, feeling the negative intention of others and allowing that to be in the driver's seat and feeling the need to hide. Mm. I wish to release the fear I have of speaking my truth. I wish to release the need to constantly impress and please people. Um, I wish to release this lack of education I feel like I have uh, regarding global events like this Armenian genocide and, and uh, Ethiopian genocide. 
I wish to release attachments to people and I wish to release uh, relationships that don't serve me. What about you, Nick? Okay. I wish to release all karmic and ancestral patterning that is holding me back in any way, shape, or form. And uh, I wish to release all, all impurities in my kidney region. And um, I wish to release all injuries in my lumbar spinal region. Oh, I'm really awesome. into the medical astrology side. That's good. That's good. Okay. So now if you are able to, we will burn these. And while we do so, visualize all of those things disintegrating along with the fire. I'm burning mine with my mind which you too, listener, can do if you cannot burn something in your apartment. So yes, as you're burning it, visualize everything releasing and being let go. So now the second list is of all of our intentions and the things that we want to manifest. So before you create your list, take a moment to feel gratitude for everything that's good in your life. Think about the people and the situations that make you um, the happiest, happiest, and uh, that you're most grateful for. And write down those five to 10 things. So if you need to pause this again, please do so. And once you've written all of those down, just mentally send love to all of those people, those names, and those um, situations. Okay, so now take a few deep breaths and decide on your top five to 10 intentions that you'd like to manifest over the next four weeks and write them down. Uh, you can get as creative with this as you want. Um, you can add doodles or pictures from magazines or newspapers, like a little mini vision board. The more kind of work and the more creativity that you put into it, the stronger the universe might hear you. So uh, now we'll uh, take turns reading through our wishes. And as we do, uh, we'll visualize each wish as having come true and really feeling it in our bodies. I wish to manifest peace in the areas of my life which have uh, been a huge struggle for me over the last couple of years. I wish harmony and peace to the people in my life that I have had struggles with over the past couple of years. I wish to manifest an end to the karmic cycles that I am currently struggling with. And I wish to manifest a, I'm at the beginning of a new life cycle, kind of. And I wish to manifest a new lifestyle of beauty and harmony over struggle and lack. And I wish to manifest health and a sense of well-being. Did you, did you feel all of those things as you were saying them? 
I did. Okay. I like to connect with a sense of gratitude while I'm saying my uh, manifestation sound to the universe. Oh, gratitude good. is my magic emotion. Oh, good. Amazing. I would like to invite in all kinds of um, different levels of courage into my life. Courage to speak up, courage um, to be seen and heard, both professionally, personally, and in connection with my Armenians who are suffering and those who I'm not connected with in, in ethnicity who are also suffering and need a voice. I also ask the courage to be able to use my voice and my gifts and the freedom to be myself without fear of repercussions. Um, I also invite in harmony, peace and justice and for the divine truth to be spoken. Amazing. Okay, so I worded this as, um, instead of I would like to call in, I worded it as I am, as if I already have those things. So I am disciplined with my spiritual growth and take time for myself every day. I have a regular and healthy exercise and diet regime. I put time and effort into a growing podcast that um, has generated some regular listeners. Just figured I would throw that in there in the very first episode. I spend time every day doing something creative, writing music, painting, journaling, etc. And I am present in every moment and take guidance from my team rather than acting out of a plan that I have pre-made. Okay, so now we will just close our eyes and virtually hold hands while we just kind of meditate on these uh, intentions, these manifestations for a few moments. Just go through your list and really feel as if each one of those things has already come true and that you're already living in that reality. And as you do so, imagine that there's a light in the center of your heart and this light is growing bigger and bigger until it's completely surrounding you in a golden white light. Feel yourself actually physically being lighter and more present Imagine this golden white light surrounding you is now reaching towards the core of the earth, going down until it gets to the core, and then imagine that this light is pulling the earth's energy right back up through your feet, your legs, 
your body, your chest, your neck, your head, and going out the top of your head or your crown chakra as if a door is opening at the top of your head. And now this light is extending out into the universe and witness this light plugging into a divine source of energy into infinite knowledge and wisdom. And imagine that you are plugged into this wisdom. Anything that you want, any knowledge that you need, any answers that you seek, any clarity or guidance that you require is at your fingertips now. If there's anything that you would like to ask the universe or your spirit guides or Themis and Mott, do so now. And trust whatever comes to you. Don't disregard it as your own ego. Realize that whatever answers are coming to you right now are exactly meant for you and are what you need in this moment and are from the universe. and Mott. And now imagine that this light is kind of unplugging from this universal source and kind of waterfalling back down into your body, washing you with this new clarity and knowledge that you received. Imagine that it's cleansing all of your chakras, starting with your crown, cleansing your third eye, your throat, your heart, your solar plexus, your sacral chakra, and your root chakra. See that that light is now shrinking and coming back to just your heart space. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so now we will release attachment to our wishes and crediting Yasmin Boland, the author of Moonology, for this information. So say this three times. Om Namo Narayani. Om Namo Narayani. Om Namo Narayani which is Sanskrit for I surrender to the divine.
So now uh, the time has come for Mott and Themis to depart. They have given their aid tonight, but must return to their duties. Mott, Egyptian goddess of truth and justice, we give thanks for your presence this night. You filled us with guidance and wrapped us in your protective wings. Hail and farewell. And now you can blow out the uh, Mott candle. Themis, Lady of Good Counsel, we give thanks for your presence this night. You showed us balance and aided our renewal. Hail and farewell. Now you may extinguish the Themis candle. So now we will uh, release the corners. So start by facing north and holding up your leaf or your acorn or green stone, whatever you use to symbolize the earth. Spirits of the north, we thank you for your comforting presence. Stay if you will, but go if you must. Hail and farewell. Now face west, swirling your sacred water. Spirits of the west, we thank you for wrapping us in love. Stay if you will, but go if you must. Hail and farewell. Face south, holding up your black stone. Spirits of the south, we thank you for your strength and warmth. Stay if you will, but go if you must. Hail and farewell. And now face east, holding up. You can actually use the feather or you can use the cleansing device, your sage or your palo, your incense. Spirits of the East, we thank you for the promise of renewal. Stay if you will, but go if you must. Hail and farewell. Using your finger or your wand or a theme, whatever you have, make three revolutions counterclockwise and say, as above, so below, as without, so within, as the universe, so the soul. The circle is open, yet remains unbroken. So that's the end of our ritual, and with it, the end of our episode as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really hope that the ritual resonated with you and that the information we gave over the last hour and a half or so resonated with you as well. Unfortunately, the recording stopped pretty much as soon as the ritual was over, so Silva was not able to say goodbye, but we are positive that she will be back very soon because she's one of our favorite people and she has a lot of knowledge to give. So Silva, thank you so much if you're listening for joining this episode. We love you so much. Yes, and if there's ever any issues that you want to hear on the show, please feel free to leave comments or send us an email. 
We do have an email address. If you we want have an to Instagram. Leave, we do have an Instagram. We will have a website at some point. But yes, you can send us an email, any uh, reviews or any any comments that you have for us. Or if you would like to be on the show, uh, let us know what you want to talk about and uh, and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. So this has been season one, episode one, the pilot episode of The Alchemist Lighthouse. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you join us next time for our very special full moon Halloween episode. And with that, I am Kayla. And I am Nick. And may the magic guide you home.